We are NXT. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Who Got Next, your weekly podcast bringing you all the news and reviews for the best brand going, NXT. Surprise, I'm back. You know you guys couldn't keep me away from long. Of course, I am your host, Phil Cataldo, but you can call me Philium. Philium Takeover, Philium Wrestling, Philium Two Belts, even though I don't have one belt. But I am back solo dolo this time to talk all about NXT and NXT UK. And of course, because this is because this is a surprise episode. I'm just going to cover NXT TakeOver Toronto that happened this past weekend. Before the show starts, though, I do want to give a shout out to the network that we are on. Of course, that is me and MJ's network, the Mighty Cien Network. Make sure you guys go over to Twitter and follow that at Mighty Cien. And make sure you listen to the Mighty Cien podcast every Wednesday, available anywhere podcasts are available, I guess, right? That's something you could say. And of course, if you want to follow this show on Twitter, head on over to at Who Got Next Pod on Twitter to follow. We're going to be talking about NXT stuff, NXT UK stuff, like I said. So if you are a fan of the third brand, which is really the best brand, the black and yellow brand, make sure you head on over there and follow that. I will really, 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 really appreciate it. Now, before we get into the episode, I do want to tell you guys what we have coming up. We have news. A new segment talking about two things, uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto, and of course, um, with what happened after the main event of Gargano and Adam Cole, um, something cool happened when the cameras went off air, and and it kind of gave me a topic of, um, or an idea for a topic, which is, if NXT was like a sports team or a sports franchise, they would be able to retire people's jerseys in the rafters right so for us being wrestling fans it would be like the hall of fame um i came up with my list of who i think would be in the nxt hall of fame and i'm sure it's going to be controversial because i left some people off but i did that because and i'll explain it more later but um it's more than just being a great talent it's about doing something for the brand that kind of took it to new heights but we'll get to that later um first i want to jump right into the news and that is We have two items from the news this week. One, of course, a huge congratulations to Tegan Knox, a.k.a. Nixon Newell, finally came back from her injury a few weeks ago. She was on the Albany, I guess, upstate New York, going into Canada loop that NXT did. Uh, She performed at the Albany show, I think it was Thursday night of last week, and It was her first time being on the road performing since her injury, of course. If you guys don't remember, Tegan Knox blew out her knee, basically everything in her knee during the Mae Young Classic 2 last year. So it's been almost a year or about a year since her injury, and she's back. We are very happy to have her back. We are very excited to have her back. She's one of the best going in NXT um, as far as the female wrestlers. And it'll be interesting to see if they have her go to the NXT UK, because, of course, if you remember... Um, when she went out, Rhea Ripley uh, basically was like making fun of her and stuff, you know, trying to keep, you know, Tegan Knox on her mind, kind of building a storyline. I don't know if they're going to go into that or if Tegan's just going to come to regular NXT, but 
we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But it is great to have her back nonetheless. Shout out to Cody Hoot because that's his girl. And uh, it's great to see her back and being healthy. And being able to go back to doing what she loved. Um, a little cool note. Uh, during Candice LeRae's takeover match, she posted a picture afterwards. She was wearing two pairs of socks. One was Macho Man socks because that's who inspired her to be a wrestler. And the other one was uh, Tegan Knox socks, which I didn't even know they made. But, hey, they made them. And Candice on her Instagram put that it was a reminder for her to not give up and to keep pushing through no matter what happened. Because, of course, Tegan has gone injured the last two years, um, blew both her knees out. So she's had to really fight through a lot, which is crazy. But she's back, and that is really awesome. Now, the second bit of news is more of a rumor, but I definitely wanted to bring it up since... You know, <clears throat> these rumors happened after Who Got Next went off the air. Now, that is, of course, <clears throat> the rumors that NXT is going to go to Fox Sports 1 and be live and be a two-hour show uh, going head-to-head with AEW. Now, I think this could be potentially good and bad. So, on the good end, uh, I think it'll be a better way to judge the talent that you have in NXT because now they're going to be on a live show weekly. Um, and, and a bad end, I think that the fact that NXT is taped kind of gave it this, it gave it an identity, right? It, it gave them the ability, I think most importantly, it gave them the ability to try things, right? They can have somebody have a match, you know, somebody like a, uh, like a Casey Catanzaro, who really isn't on TV every week, or, um, you know, you think of like Tina Arconti did a lot of these matches that didn't even make the NXTs, but they were like, just for the people that were there, you know, tape live, or if like, for example, Chelsea Green had her debut NXT match, and she actually got hurt in it, so that ended up not airing on TV, they never aired it, because I mean, what difference does it make, she got hurt, so like, you can kind of now give her a new debut when she eventually comes back. And of course, Chelsea Green is healthy and back with Deanna Perrazzo. They have VXT. That's I still don't know what the hell VXT stands for. So if you guys know what that stands for, please hit me up at who got next on Twitter and explain to me why uh, Deanna, Chelsea Green, and Rachel Elring, who sadly Rachel Elring just got injured. Uh, her and Karen Q are both injured, so they're on the shelf, which sucks. But um, those three ladies are called VXT. I have no reason why. Oh, I don't know why, but... I will highly appreciate it if you guys tell me what that is. Um, now, I've lost my train of thought. But uh, I think it would be cool for them to go on live TV. But I just, it's weird to me because I don't want this to get to a point where because they're going head-to-head -head with AEW, that Vince is going to send down talent from the main roster who don't need to be in NXT. Now, NXT needs to still, in my opinion, be like their farm system, their minor leagues, right? I don't want to see like a Seth Rollins come back to NXT. I don't want to see The Miz come down to NXT. Like their established stars, keep them up there. And there hasn't been rumors of that. I'm just, there's just, people are saying that anything is possible, right? I like the fact that NXT gives new people a chance. And every couple of months, you see someone go up and someone else gets to step in. I love that atmosphere that NXT has, and I don't want to see that change. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, if they're going to bring people back like Apollo Crews, or like recently they brought back Tyler Breeze, like that's fine. They were doing nothing on the main roster. That's okay. Let them come back. If they want to bring, you know, I don't know, the 
like Liv Morgan back down. She's what is she doing? Nothing. Sarah Logan, she's not doing anything, right? Uh, th- there's a lot of opportunity. Even like a Dana Brooke, if she wanted to come back down, that'd be fine, right? She could do a lot better in NXT instead of having these random matches on you know WWE main event that no one's watching. She might be able to get better down here. And there's tons of girls signed to NXT, so there's a lot of room to grow. But we'll we'll get into the women's division later when we talk about Takeover Toronto. But as far as the news, that's all the news we got this week. Now, in future episodes of the show. Um, I'm definitely going to do a, a better job at kind of breaking this up. Uh, you know, I'll have commercials and stuff of other podcasts that I'm really super into, you know, um, I give them a chance to get some shine on here. And, and because I, I definitely, since it's just me on the show now, I don't want to just sit here and talk for, you know, an hour just by myself, right? That, that could get like run on and it get very boring. So I definitely want to break these segments up in the future with uh, kind of commercial breaks and stuff like that ads if we ever get to that point where, you know, the show's sponsored. But for this week, since it's a surprise episode, let's just run right through it. It's going to be a shorter episode, of course, you know, I'm getting my footing doing a solo dolo podcast. But, you know, here we are and we're talking about NXT. And for anybody who's listening to this, by the time you hear this, we would have already announced, or I would have already announced, that I'm coming back on Mighty Sien's podcast, the Mighty Sien podcast that aired this past week. Of course, if you're hearing this, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Um, but Mighty Sien aired on Wednesday, so make sure you go back, listen to that, and we're going to get into why, you know, it's just me and not me and MJ on this. We'll, we'll talk about it on that show. So if you want to hear, make sure you go on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you listen to your podcast the mighty cn podcast to get the full story of what's going on with this show now <clears throat> let me take a drink of water mm, good old h2o shout out to happy gilmore no billy madison no the water boy i'm an idiot i'm listen i, I haven't done this show in a while but one thing hasn't changed i'm still an idiot but let's go right into nxt takeover toronto and right off the bat i just want to say something wwe is known for having the best production when it comes to pro wrestling it is just miles ahead of anything that anybody's doing their promo videos their promo seg they're just it's just done and edited so well and makes such great tv and gets you so hyped but i do want to criticize something and that is the intro to take over Toronto looked really cool. The music was awesome. Getting me pumped to watch this, right? But for some reason, they show us the view of the screen from the crowd's point of view. Can anybody explain to me why they did this? Because to me, it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. They usually like start off. So you can like see the crowd's reaction, even though I never like this effect that they do. They do it on a, on the main roster a lot, but you know, like they do it like through the, the when they do the Firefly Funhouse, they they do it a lot to like show people's reaction. And for that, I understand. But an intro video to your pay per view, like don't do that. That's stupid. Um, it, it, it was like I felt like I was sitting in the crowd watching it, which you know it's always better to watch those promo packages at home. Because you get the full effect. Like when you're in a crowd, it's kind of like you're watching it on the screens that are far away from you. And it's like, ah, whatever. It, it's a little nitpick. Nick pick. Bring it back, right? It's a, it's a nick pick for an, an otherwise great night of wrestling. But 
let's get into some of that wrestling right now. Now, the first match of the night was the Street Profits versus the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Now, I was very surprised that the Street Profits came out first, given that they're the champions. Champions usually come out second, but they're the baby faces in this match. They're super over. So, of course, you want to start off NXT TakeOver with the crowd popping, the crowd going crazy. Now, I, I do love the fact that, and I hope that they keep this, I love that the Street Profits went directly into the crowd. They went to the crowd. They were partying, having a good time. That is who their characters are. I hope they never lose it. Um, my biggest fear with them right now is that they are on Monday Night Raw a lot. And I do hope that this doesn't mean that they, they're going to get called up sooner than later. Especially with these rumors that, you know, NXT is going to Fox Sports 1. I think they're the perfect tag team to be your babyface tag team down there since they're so over with the crowd. Um, another funny thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm probably right. I'm pretty sure that they handed out solo cups. Because that entire section that was camera side all had solo cups. And in, unless somebody sat in that section, because this has happened before, when one person sits in the section and they'll all bring like signs, I highly doubt somebody brought like 40 to like 100 solo cups. Like, that's a lot of people. The whole section had it. But it was cool visually to see that. They see them come out, everyone's holding their solo cups. It was like their version of. Uh, when Bray Wyatt comes out and everybody holds their phone up for like the fireflies. I thought it was pretty funny. Yet again, makes their characters fun to watch. And I just can't believe that on this very show, you know, I sat here and I hated the Street Profits. And now I love them because they've gotten so much better. And I'm a huge Montez Ford fan, as you guys know, who have listened to this show in the past. And if it's your first time listening, you know, thank you for checking us out. But I've been on this Montez Ford train for a while. He's so good. I just think this guy has tons and tons and tons of star potential. His charisma is through the roof. If he can keep growing, I think that he's eventually going to outgrow this tag team and become a star. But, I mean, you know, let's be honest here because we're always honest on the show. The way WWE treats their black talent, he who knows what he could be. I, I know Kofi Kingston broke the mold, but, I mean, just Kofi Kingston did, right? Don't, like, we can't really compare what the main roster does with uh, black talent just based on the New Day because they're like their own special thing, which sucks for any of the black talent that the company has. But I think Montez Ford has tons of potential. But, you know, now let's get into the actual match. Of course, Montez, anything he does, he shows his athleticism all the time. Like even if it's just a, a simple like off the ropes move, he jumps at this insane height. A lot of flips outside of the ring. Really gets the crowd super, super into it. Um, I usually don't like when performers like dance when they're in their matches. I think it's corny, right? But like he somehow makes it cool and makes it fun. Uh, you know, one thing he in the match he pretended or he didn't pretend he was gonna do it, but he kind of gassed up the fact that uh, got us all excited that he was gonna do the people's elbow. Of course, you know he gets reversed out of it, and then he ends up doing the rock bottom. Now, very interesting that these are the two moves he did. Um, you know, maybe he's going to start doing it. I think it'd be pretty funny if he did the people's elbow, but like he did it, he added his own twist to it. Maybe he doesn't do an elbow. Maybe he does a backflip. Maybe he does a leg drop or some, something that to make it his own, right? Or maybe he just does like an ex insanely high jumping elbow. You guys remember when Dolph Ziggler used to do his three elbows on the last one? He would jump up insanely high. I don't know. Maybe... 
he does that, I think that'd be pretty cool if he did. But very interesting that they allowed him to do the Rock's moves, right? Because, of course, in WWE, everything is so, like, meticulous. They know everything that's going to happen. So it, I'm shocked that they allowed him to do that. But also really cool. Um, to me, this match, and Undisputed Era is great. They're incredible. <clears throat> to me, this match was very much a throwback to the DIY, revival, American Alpha type of just wrestling matches. A lot of double teams, right? A lot of, a lot of teamwork, <clears throat> quick tags, and stuff like that. I thought it was really, really cool and really great that, you know, especially since SummerSlam had no tag team matches on the main show. I know we got the women's tag match on the pre-show, but the actual main show did not have a single tag match. And NXT has always showcased the tag teams, and they've always given them the opportunity to steal the show. And this match was no exception. Unbelievable. Um, I do want to shout out the Undisputed Era because, of course, this is the first time I've ever thought uh, Dawkins has looked good. Angelo Dawkins. I always want to call him D'Angelo Dawkins, but it's Angelo Dawkins. I think it's because there was a basketball player named Daryl Dawkins, so I, I get confused with that, but... Angelo Dawkins, first time he's ever looked good in a match to me. <clears throat> like, they made him look like a million bucks. And that just shows you how good Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are. Um, there was a, a knee strike from Kyle O'Reilly <clears throat> that it it looked like he hit him flush. Because, like, and maybe he, he luckily hit him, like, the way Alistair hits people, like, on the neck and not the face. Because it looked like he was going to take his head off. And then the move I want to shout out, the best move of the match, right? Uh, when they did the leaping blockbuster where, uh, you know, Montez jumps off the top ropes and does that crazy blockbuster, which is really cool. And then they end the match. Shockingly, I thought Undisputed Era was going to win because I really would have thought that the end of the night, all the whole team was going to have the belts, but that wasn't the case. And we get this insanely high up in the air, super far frog splash from Montez Ford. And it was just beautiful. <clears throat> five star sp frog splash i think beth phoenix is the one who said it had to drink another water it's hard <clears throat> to do a show by yourself you know because you got to talk the whole time there's no break but you know it was a great way to start off the show i i love that nxt does a great job of giving us opening matches that gets us super hype and gets us ready and gets us ready to go and what better way than to give us a babyface win and, and give us a heel tag team in Undisputed Era that knows how to get the babyfaces over. Now, speaking of getting the crowd hype, we move on to the next match, which is Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. And let me tell you something. This match surprised the hell out of me. Not because I thought it was going to be a bad match. I knew it was going to be a good match. I just didn't think it was going to be this good. Now, before we get into the actual match, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, at who got next pot on Twitter, I'm pretty sure this is the first time there's been a second women's match, not a match that had women, because, of course, uh, TakeOver Orlando had that match that had Nikki Cross when she was with Sanity and then Ruby Riot on that four-person team where it was like Ty Dillinger... Ruby Riot, Cassius Ono, and I forgot who the other one was, but not counting that. I think this is the first time they've had a secondary women's match on the actual takeover, because of course they they always tape them for the 
the NXT episodes that air that they take before takeovers. Um, the the NXT episodes that air the week after takeover. But I'm pretty sure this is the first time there's been a second women's match on takeover since Brooklyn Two, when Ember fought Billy Kay, and it was Ember Moon's debut match. Correct me if I'm wrong at Who Got Next Pod on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure that's true, which is really cool. And and I hope that I hope that it it starts to become the standard, right? Because you see takeovers have five matches, right? And and it's shocking that Riddle and Killian Dane didn't get added to this pay-per-view and we just got that brawl we'll talk about next but I like that they gave two other women the chance to shine other than just being in the title match because and Shane has had the belt for so long it's really great to see someone else shine um Io Shirai is just so much better as a heel so much better I think that my favorite part about her being a heel of course is that she put or she doesn't have to fall in the same thing that I think hurt Asuka in the beginning and then hurt Kari Zane in the long run, which was they had to pander to the crowd as baby faces, right? Io can just be a heel and she could be ruthless and she could work stiff and she was doing all these insane moves and making them look so tough. And you know, kudos to Candice because Candice plays the baby role, the baby face role so well, just like her husband, right? Babyface is just running the family for them, seriously. Um, but man, just the 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 stuff, man. You know, Eo has her new music, and it really fits her character. Even though, admittingly, when it comes out, the lights flashing, I feel like it's gonna give me a seizure. I feel like they should have like a seizure warning, like in video games in the beginning. Like, yo, you're gonna get a seizure if <laughs> you watch this. Look away, you know. I, I think that it, it was great to kind of build that tension or or, or or show like the seriousness in this feud the bell rings or before the bell even rings candace just rushes eo which i thought was great um the first crazy spot of the match eo just suplex candace on the table out on the outside on the announce table doesn't even take the top off just suplex right on the ipads just fucking up her back and her shoulder and that ended up being a storyline through the whole match which i loved really good right or off the bat boom you get people ready like hey this we're not fucking around with this match we are literally coming here to go off, show you how great us two women can be. It's not just Shayna and whoever she's facing in a title match. There's other talent on this roster. And, you know, we're going to take this opportunity and really shine. Um, you know, uh, let's see. I, I wrote notes for this. I know. I'm writing notes now. Who am I? Nick? Get out of here. Um, so they did the top rope Spanish fly, which was like, Every time someone does it, whether it's a male or female, so it's not like a gender thing to me, but it always, man, it always makes me cringe because I always feel like they're not going to get enough rotation on it or they're not going to jump out far enough. But they hit it and they hit it so beautifully. And EO just moves so like fluent in the ring or so she's so agile. And I think that like at times it made Candace look like she was moving slow and it it wasn't even that. It's just EO moves so fast. Like, you, you see what, for me at least as a fan, I watch a lot of the women's wrestling and a clear difference between, like, a Charlotte and, you know, a lot of the other women that are on the roster, the Carmellas, the, you know, the Iconics, even Lacey Evans, stuff like that. The, the biggest difference is the speed factor, right? You can almost see the women 
moving at a little slower pace than these elite women that are in the company, the, the Charlottes, the Sashas, the Baileys, the Beckys. You know, even Natty moves a step slow, right? Ember is in that class. Asuka's in that class um, of, like, elite women on the roster. But EO is just on another level, man. Like, you know, I really want to see her fight Charlotte one day. I would love to see what they're able to do. Like, EO just is a great wrestler. Like, that end of discussion. It's not like she's a great women's wrestler. She's a great wrestler. And this match showcased it, right? Um the one big thing that they mentioned on commentary, and I don't know if it's 100% true or if it's just they're doing it for storyline purposes, but according to Nigel or Mara, one of them said it, this is the first time anybody's ever kicked out of Io Shirai's moonsault, which is insane. I would have thought they would have gave that nod to Shayna. I think Shayna just countered it into her submission, but I don't know if she ever like really kicked out, kicked out. But hey, Babyface Candice gets gets a rub, gets gets a, to have the opportunity to have something on her record. Like, yo, I'm the first one to kick out of Io Shirai's moonsault, which is awesome. It's a, it's a great thing to have. And, you know, this led into the way the match ended, which was, you know, they ended with a submission. I don't I don't know if they said what Io's submission is called, but it, it was it's a really good submission. It looks beautiful. It looks ruthless, right? Like, ties her up in a bow, kind of. Uh, it was really great. And in typical babyface fashion, when you want to build a babyface, what's the one thing you do? You don't have them tap out. They pass out. Right? Candice did not tap. She passed out. EO wins the match. And that's it. See, now I said she passed out. But I don't 100% remember. And I just rewatched the matches. But I might have looked down when it happened. Yet again, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, but this is still the best NXT coverage out there. Come see me in these Twitter streets. But it was an incredible way to end the match. I'm very excited that they had EO win because now EO can move on to someone else and kind of build up another baby face. And I think that we can start telling this story with Candice. And maybe Candice is the one to eventually beat Shayna because, spoilers, later in the night, Shayna beats me again. So maybe Candice is the baby face to save us from all of this, but... We'll have to wait and see. <clears throat> now we move on to the next segment, which is Matt Riddle coming out, cutting a promo, saying he wants Killian Dane. Killian Dane comes out, and they brawl up the ramp. And the one things that, I, you know, this is a shorter one, but both guys look strong in it. Neither one looked like they had the real true advantage. It was really awesome. They did this great table spot uh, off the stage. And, you know, everyone's talking about, well, it was a crazy spot. What I want to talk about is rest in peace the security guard. That security guard that was trying to break him up, he just got put in that table too. He, I thought that was a, a weird thing to do, right? You have Riddle and, and Dane having the feud, but that security guard needs to make it a triple threat. And if we all know, anytime they have cops or any type of law enforcement or security guards on the TV, it's always an indie wrestler, a local indie wrestler. So that local indie wrestler... Needs to put that on his demo reel or his tapes that he's sending to WWE or whatever, right? And he needs to be like, yo, I want in this match, triple threat match, let's do this, right? The bro versus whatever Killian Dane's nickname is versus the security guard. Let's get it. And speaking of the bro, I want that new shirt, bro, right? Stallion Battalion, come on, man. Shout out to Ant because me and him need to get these shirts because we are, of course, just like Riddle, we are a bunch of stallions. 
you stallion you. Now we move on to the next segment, which is a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship, Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunne, which, little sidebar, very, very excited that Pete Dunne has now moved over to regular NXT from NXT UK. I, I love the way they're doing that, right? I think that with NXT UK being kind of the lesser of the brand just because a lot of the talent you know, isn't known by mainstream American audiences, right? You kind of build their legend over there. They come to NXT, they whoop ass, and then by the time they go to the main roster, everybody loves them. I think it's time for Pete Dunne's reign in NXT to start, and I, and I love that it was in this match. Now we start right at the beginning with Velveteen Dream, who had an incredible entrance, right? But I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't fucking unbelievably confused in the beginning. Like, wait, are we just doing a Toronto Raptors dance team dance break for no reason in the middle of this pay-per-view? Like, what is going on? And then I'm like, oh, it has to do with Velveteen Dream and it's his entrance, which was really cool. I loved it. Dream always gets the best entrances. He always gets, you know, these big takeover entrances that are that are further cities in. So I did like the nod to the Raptors, of course. The NBA champion, shout out to Toronto. I'm a Knicks fan, we'll never win, so I'll never know what that feels like to be an NBA champion, but whatever. Very jealous of you. Um, I did like the story that this match told. So jumping in right to the beginning, it seemed like it was Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne, and Roddy was like a little kid just wanting attention. The match starts, he's like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And I feel like through the whole match, that was like a story that they were telling, right? Which made me shocked that Roddy doesn't end up winning, but... I thought it was it was a, it was a great kind of storyline to to throw in there to make it separate itself from all the other matches on the card. Now during the match, Velveteen Dream of course keeps up keeps up his tradition of doing a legends move, which if you have listened to Who Got Next in the past, I do not fucking like. I hate that this man does legend moves, but the, it always gets a pop out of the crowd. I just feel like. He doesn't need it. Like, his character doesn't need to do that. It's going to get old, and when he gets to the main roster, Vince is going to see it, and he's going to beat that shit into the ground, and we're all going to hate it. You know, Velveteen Dream is so popular in NXT. Probably the second biggest baby face in NXT right now after Gargano. But it's just, I don't want to see him doing that. But I know the crowd popped. It was a sharpshooter in, in Canada. Whenever you do that, the crowd goes crazy. I just wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, I love the spot where... Pete Dunne, you know, suplex Velveteen Dream, and then su German suplex Roddy Strong on top of him. I thought that was cool. So I think my favorite spot of the whole match, and I don't know exactly what to call it, but Rod Roderick Strong had Pete Dunne and Velveteen Dream leaning against the ropes in the middle of the ring. And he did this spot where he was running side to side and just murdering them with elbows. Now, it reminds me of, for anybody who played Injustice, right? The the Mortal Kombat style game with DC characters. If you remember, they had like special abilities. It was kind of like their fatalities, but it wasn't fatalities, but it was still kind of like that. Um, the Flash had a move, and this just came to me, where he would run on screen and off screen, back and forth, hitting you like really fast with punches, like boom, 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 boom. And then he would run around the world and hit you. That's what that reminded me of, which of course I have a Flash tattoo. I love the Flash. I love superheroes. It was, a, it was a great little nod for me. If, if nobody, no one else appreciated that, I did. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. 
And then another Roddy spot, which of course, they really, really, really let Roddy shine in this match, which I love because I honestly think that eventually they're either going to kick him out of Undisputed Era or I just, I don't think Roddy's going to make it on the main roster. I just don't, I just don't think that with his size, even though he's an incredible wrestler, I don't think that Vince is ever going to give him a fair shot to do something cool. And, 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 and that super sucks, but it is what it is, right? But Roddy does a spot where he does his finisher, well, one of his finishers called the Stronghold, which is basically the walls of Jericho, right? It's an elevated um, Boston Crab. And he gets to do it to both Pete Dunne and Velveteen Dream at the same time, which makes for a great photo, right? If he would have won the match, that's the match that I would have had on the plaque because shout out to WWE. They, the plaques always suck. And as I'm saying that, I'm looking at the iconic plaque where they won the belts at WrestleMania because of course I bought it because I'm a big Iconics fan. And their picture was awesome. It's them like crying winning the belts. That's great. But usually the plaque pictures are fucking terrible. And people like my boy Rob, Good brother Rob, brother Daryl, however you want to call him, or my man Cody Benoit, Cody Hoot, they take incredible pictures. And like their pictures are far better than the pictures that they put in these plaques. They need to hire these guys to take pictures. Rob's sitting on the top of the fucking stadium taking better pictures than WWE. Come on, man. You can get your shit together. Velveteen Dream, of course, ends up winning this match. And what was surprised? So, what was surprising to me? Besides Roddy losing, because of course, like I said in the beginning, I thought Undisputed Era was going to win the whole thing. But what was surprising to me was that Pete Dunn took the pin. Maybe they're kind of they're trying to keep Roddy strong. Maybe <laughs> it's funny they're trying to keep Roddy strong, like strong, like like muscle strong or strong, like character strong. But his last name strong. Yo, same Phil, bro. Ain't nothing changed. Don't let these like couple months that I've been off change. I'm still with the dad jokes. I'm still out here. Brittany's laughing in the other room because I'm in here by myself, solo dolo, making myself laugh. Brittany's hysterically laughing in <laughs> the other room. This is pretty funny. But I'm, I'm, it's crazy to think that Velveteen Dream took the first, took that pinfall, right? Because you would think like, oh, he's coming over. They want to have him look like, oh, he didn't, he didn't really lose the match. So maybe he can beat Velveteen Dream later because, of course, we all assume Velveteen Dream's going up within the next year, especially with the with SmackDown Live moving to Fox, right? You're going to want a character like him on your show, or at least Raw, right? Because he's so popular as a character, but whatever, he wins this match. Uh, I think he's probably going to lose it in a one-on-one match at Survivor Series, maybe come up the next night. I think his time in NXT is running short. Unless, hey, they go to Fox Sports and they want Velveteen Dream on their show, but it is what it is. Now... We've gone through, what, three matches and a surprise brawl segment, an intro that was weird, but finally the first mistake of the night, and of course, none of these shows are ever perfect, unless you're TakeOver New Orleans, that was a perfect show, Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim for the NXT Women's Championship, and I was kind of hyped for this match, last couple of weeks on NXT. They were really building up Mia Yim as this badass. She took out Marina. She took out Jessamine. First show back, and I'm getting her name right. Shout out to me. She takes out Marina and Jessamine, and then it ends up not meaning anything because she doesn't win the belt. I thought, hey, you know, in my head, I created a scenario where Ronda Rousey comes back during the Becky and Natty match, and then that leads to Shayna losing the belt at TakeOver the night before, which... Ends up, you know, 
her getting called up with Marina and Jessamine and then Sasha coming back with reports being that, you know, by the time you hear that she either came back or not, but there's reports she's coming back, you know, this week or the next week to WWE TV. But then they can start building up this horsewoman versus horsewoman feud at Survivor Series. Kind of do it just in case that they're not able to do it, right? Kind of make sure you get it done, make as much money as possible, especially with a company like AEW being the cool kid in town. You know, you, you're going to do whatever, they're WWE, you're going to do whatever you can to kind of get your cool points back. And that match would be unbelievable, right? Everyone's going to want to see that match. Um, But man, did this match suck? And I'm a big fan of Shayna Baszler. I know a lot of people don't like her style. They say it's boring. A lot of people didn't like her matches with Ember. I love them. I love their matches with Kari. I love their matches with E. I, I, I like Shayna Baszler. She's fun to watch. But it sucks because in real life, Shayna and Mia Yim are roommates. And they're like best friends. And, you know, Cody Hoot said that he saw them wrestle at a house show. I think in Houston, he said. And they tore the house down. You know, and, and they've wrestled a few times, even outside the company, too, I believe. And um, it's crazy that this match just failed so much. The crowd didn't give a shit about Mia Yim. They just, she didn't connect with them for some reason. And her entrance was cool, right? She came out, everybody was wearing her mask. It made her look a badass character, which was awesome. But it just, that bell started, man, and just the crowd did not care. And I can't tell if it was actually a bad match. Because, of course, I didn't rewatch that match. I, I didn't want to put myself through that again. But I couldn't tell if it was a bad match or if just the crowd was just so quiet that it just took it out, like, made me hate it. The only spot I can remember from that match that was cool was they did, like, the, the sunset flip powerbomb off the top rope, which was cool. I thought it made Mia Yim look awesome. But... Watching this match, and I hate to say it because I am a fan of Mia Yim, she's not ready, and she's not the one. She's not the one to take that belt off Shayna, and and I know a lot of people thought maybe she would. Um, I just think that with this kind of powerhouse title run that Shayna has had, I think that the person to be her should be a babyface, like a babyface along the lines of someone like how they're building Candice LeRae. Maybe that's what they do. I know that after the event, after TakeOver, uh, Bianca Belair tweeted at Shayna, like, all right, cool, playtime's over. I'm coming for that belt. Maybe that means something. Maybe that's her trying to get herself back into the title contention. Um, who knows? I mean, I'd be excited. Everybody knows. I love Bianca Belair. She's my favorite wrestler in NXT. So I'm definitely down to see her come and take that belt from Shayna. Uh, and she, she's kind of a tweener, right? She, she's a, she can be a baby face, but she can also work heel. Like she worked heel against Kari and EO when they were both faces. Uh, but she, you know, she worked face when she worked, uh, Sheena. So, I mean, who knows what's possible? I, I listen, I will love nothing more than for Sheena, not Sheena, for EO Shirai. Nope, not EO Shirai. I'm saying you're wrong again. I will love for nothing more. That for Bianca Belair to win that title, I'll be so hyped. And then at, at a point, I've gotten to see all my girls win. Carmella win a title. Tessa win a title. I just need Bianca to win a title. I'm here for all that. Now we move on to the main event of the evening, which is Gargano. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole for the NXT title. 
and a two out of three falls match. Now, on NXT TV, they made it seem, I don't know if it was ever official, but they made it seem like it was going to go street fight to start the match, then a regular match, and then William Regal picks the third match. They switched that up. It started with the regular match, then the street fight. Of course, for those who watched it, Gargano hits Cole with a chair in the first match, which is a regular singles match, after they have an incredibly well-contested match, right? A good back-and-forth wrestling match. You know, Gargano gets himself DQ'd just so he can ensure that he makes, you know, inflicts as much damage as possible so he can win the second fall, which is what he did. Now, as far as the third fall, uh, on the pre-show, William Regal announced it, which I thought was weird. They should have saved it for the actual event. But knowing what it was makes sense because, of course, Twitter spoiled it for me because they had a cage above the ring. So people were tweeting, hey, the last match is the cage match. Now, the the shocking part of it, if you didn't see the pre-show, was the fact that it was an asylum match, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's a steel cage that you cannot get out of because the top has barbed wire wrapped around it. And there's weapons, there's tables, there's ladders, there's sledgehammers, there's kendo sticks, which let me tell you, they use the fuck out of those kendo sticks. He, Gargano, like, badly bruised and, like, made, uh, Gargano made cold back, like, just fucking brutally, brutally take a beating, which was awesome. But yeah, the, so the, the third fall, which we all knew they were going to get to, was an asylum match, and it was a lot of fun. Now... A lot, a lot of weapon use and a lot of cool spots. So I'm not going to go into that. But the spot at the end, they're both standing on that table that is clearly bolted to the top of the shit, right? And you have the ladder and then you have the table that's on top of the cage. And then you have two tables in the middle of the ring, which, of course, once that was set up, you were like, they're clear. Someone's going through that. What I didn't expect was that they both went through it. And let me tell you something in 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 a very Joey Janela um, all in like occurrence for anybody who watched that, you know what I'm saying? They didn't put the tables far enough because they always put it so close to the ladder and then they jump way further than it. Luckily that there was two because they were able to catch the one, but they completely missed the first one. And it did look, look like a nasty fall, but I mean, it's a day later or two days later. I haven't heard anything because I'm recording this on Monday night. Um, it, it doesn't seem like either one of them is hurt. So that's good. But, you know, Cole just rolls over and pins Johnny, which was perfect. Cole remains the champion. This undisputed era, you know, this this reign of Adam Cole gets to extend. Um, very interested to see where he goes next, who his next opponent's going to be, of course. Uh, we should know that either this week or next week because I'm pretty sure the tapings are coming up. I haven't heard exactly when they are, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're coming up very, very quick. Um, now, the interesting thing. This is, of course, incredible match, right? Those guys are just unbelievable in the ring. But the interesting thing was Gargano got his farewell when the cameras went off. Uh, you know, WWE put it on their YouTube, like they always do, an exclusive clip. Everyone's cheering for Gargano. Candace comes out. She hugs him. He's, like, waving to the crowd. It's like, oh, they gave him his, like, curtain call or his farewell, right? The last time they did this was for Aleister Black and Ricochet in nxt new york during mania this past year and they both went up so i think we this might be the end for johnny takeover johnny nxt i think he might be going up which for us diehard nxt fans is heartbreaking 
you know, it's crazy to think that we've gotten to a point where, you know, we used to be like, I can't wait for Finn Balor to go to the main roster. I can't wait for Nakamura to go to the main roster. I just can't wait for Asuka and Ember to get up there, right? I can't wait to see my favorites in NXT go up and fight the John Cena's, the Randy Orton's, the Roman Reigns, the Seth Rollins, the Charlotte Flair's, the Becky Lynch's, right? I can't wait for this. Now you're like, they're like your kids, right? Your kid's about to go away to college. Like you're happy for them, but like you're going to miss them. And you know that, you know, they're going to like a shitty college that like isn't fun and they're going to have like a miserable time and want to move home. That's what it's like for these NXT talents going up because as great as Johnny Gargano is, you just look, what has Finn Balor done? What has Nakamura done? Nakamura is your intercontinental champion and he wasn't even on SummerSlam. Apollo Crews and Buddy Murphy had a fucking pre-show match. And your intercontinental champion didn't have a match. You're telling me on a on a four-hour pay-per-view, you couldn't fit in Nakamura versus Ali and just give us a showcase match that's awesome? Right? You, you think of like AOP. Do they even exist anymore? I know one of them's hurt, but I mean, come on. How they treated Asuka. How they're treating Kari Zane. How they treated Ember. Right? The list goes on and on and on of all these girls, right? You 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 have the riot squad come together, which no one thinks is gonna work. And they do, and they're awesome, and you break them up. I know Ruby's hurt, but whatever. You break them up for no fucking reason. Lacey Evans got a big push in the beginning against Becky Lynch. That was awesome. But I mean she was called up to the main roster for like four or five months before they used her. And now they're probably not gonna use her for a long time. Because that's what they do. Look at Ricochet. He was doing nothing <clears throat> until he ended up winning the U.S. title, and now he just keeps losing to AJ. They have great matches, but he keeps losing. Aleister Black, how long did it take him to debut? Another one, not on the card. Andrade and Zelina, they were one of the best talents in NXT, not using them. Really? That's stupid. I don't know. I, I think that Gargano's size is going to be his downfall. Um, I don't know how close Tommaso Ciampa is to coming back from his injury, and he'll probably go to NXT first, but... I would love to see Gargano and Ciampa, um, you know, reunite and make DIY and really kind of because the main roster needs help with tag teams. And if you guys know, AEW is putting a a major, major. I can't think of the other word I want to say, but they're 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 really focusing on tag teams there. So I think once they start doing that, WWE is going to want to focus on their tag team division, too, to compete right on the, that level with tag teams and stuff like that. DIY comeback, man. DIY versus the Revival, give me that. DIY versus the Usos, oh my God. That'd be incredible, right? And plus the fact that Johnny Gargano's smaller, I think Vince won't care if it's in a tag team. We'll just have to wait and see, but it is sad to see Johnny go. You know, thank you, Gargano. And, and you know, <clears throat> this, this leads into my next segment that I talked about in the beginning. Now, uh, I thought it was a four-star NXT TakeOver. I don't give it a five-star because the women's match was just terrible to me. I can't give a pay-per-view with a match that bad a five-star. So I thought it was a four-star pay-per-view. And, and if you remember, <clears throat> back in the Nick and MJ days, we don't do half ranking. 4.5. This No more Giacobi math. It's just me. We round shit up, okay? Four stars. Or we round it down. Whatever. For the final segment, before we get out of here with our return show, which, like I said, I know I've been talking for what is what? Almost 50 minutes now, straight, no breaks. When when I'm going to get it set up, we're going to get some commercials recorded, and we're going to start helping, you know, 
shout out other shows on here. Uh, I have a lot of friends that do some great shows, and I'm gonna reach out to them after I record this because, of course, it's it's a secret. Don't tell nobody. I'm back, but it's not a secret no more. If you're listening to this at Who Got Next Pod on Twitter, make sure you guys follow that. Um, at Mighty Sen, follow that too, because of course we are on the Mighty CN Network. The last segment with Gargano leaving. The last thing I want to talk about is if NXT was a sports team, right? And they were able to retire jerseys, right? You think of like the Lakers retire Shaq's jersey. They retire Kobe's jersey. <clears throat> the Bulls retire Jordan's jersey. And the, Nick, the Knicks retire, you know, people's jerseys in the 70s because that's the last time fucking they won anything was in the 70s. But whatever. You know, how would NXT, if they could raise a jersey in the rafters, who would it be? Who would be their NXT Hall of Fame? Now, a disclaimer... I'm leaving a lot of people off this list for certain reasons. One, they weren't there long enough. Two, they were incredible. They were legends, NXT legends. But they didn't do anything that kind of changed the way NXT is viewed, right? And the third thing is the most important thing. This is my list from when NXT debuted on the network. So, of course, there would not be a Seth Rollins, a Big E, a Bray Wyatt. Those guys were all stars before it moved from Hulu to the network. I didn't watch it, so I can't judge on what was happening. I only I just know that Seth Rollins and Big E were super over and stuff like that. So here's my list of the <clears throat> let's see, let me count this out. One, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> I would say six. <clears throat> Sorry for the coughing. A lot of talking. Let me drink some water. But for the five, maybe six. And I want to get your guys' input on the six person, but my solid five, of course, cannot be an NXT Hall of Fame without Finn Balor. Just this guy was the face of NXT. He's, he's why I love NXT. He's what made me fall in love with wrestling back then. I think it was in 2015, right? You had uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 1, and it was just... Phew, unbelievable right demon all that stuff finn balor made nxt so funny changed the way we looked at stars in nxt he was kind of the first guy that really broke the mold and became this like super popular character right people were buying tickets when nxt because how popular he was they were able to travel to do road trips go out of full sale go out of orlando and people were buying tickets to see finn balor he had the face paint the the sleeves all that stuff right Kids would eat that shit up. Now we move to the next one, Bailey, right? And, and and the one after that, I want to say is Sasha, Bailey and Sasha. They took the women's division to a whole nother level. First ever woman, first ever women to main event a WWE network special, right? Because they 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 main evented Takeover Respect in that Iron Woman match. That was unbelievable, right? And now the women main event all the time. But like back then, the women weren't even close to the main event. And Sasha and Bailey were the first ones because of their match in Brooklyn, which in 2015 was a lot of people's, including mine, match of the year. I was there live. It was unbelievable. Still can't believe I saw that live. And those two are just unbelievable to me. Just take took women's wrestling to a whole nother level in NXT. Speaking of women's wrestling, Asuka. She didn't lose for like two and a half years. And I, I might not be the biggest Asuka fan. 
But what she did in NXT was historic. And she was the foundation for NXT. She was the rock when, not the rock, she was like, not Dwayne Johnson or Hobbs and Shaw rock. She was the foundation, the thing that kept the women's division together when they got raided and all the four horsewomen went up, Alexa went up, Carmella went up. All these women went up and it was just Asuka. And Ember Moon still needed time to develop in front of, uh, you know, the WWE NXT audience. You know, the Iconics, all the, they all needed time to develop. Nikki Cross. Asuka was that foundation while you built the whole roster, which is what Shayna Baszler to me is right now, right? You have Shayna, you have Bianca, you have Io, and now you got to build everybody else because Kari went up. You know what I'm saying? You don't have that second star, really. I mean, Bianca is, but Shayna is that now, but Asuka just took that to the next level. Her matches against Ember were awesome. Her matches against Nikki Cross, so good. She, she would definitely be up there. She changed the way we look at the way they book women in NXT because she was booked so dominantly. Never lost in NXT. Gave up her title, which I didn't like. She should have lost to Ember, but besides the point. Now, as far as tag teams, first ever two-time tag team champions in NXT, The Revival. I miss The Revival in NXT. I miss how they were booked. I miss how they were treated. They're treated like shit on the main roster. They're not allowed to shine. Some here and there, they are, but NXT, they were booked so strong. And they were so cool. They were they were the biggest heels, but they were booked so cool. Everyone loved them. And I miss NXT's version of the revival. You know? If they're going to bring main roster people back to NXT, bring the revival back. Let them lead the charge on Fox Sports 1 and show the world, especially on Wednesdays against AEW, which, like I said, will have tag team matches on it a lot. Especially in the beginning. You know, they're going to do a tag team tournament when they go to the air in October. Yo, have the Revival come back and work these great matches. Revival versus the Street Profits, especially what the Street Profits showed. Give me that. The Revival versus Undisputed Era. Psh, give me that every day of the week. I'm hyped for that. Send the War Raiders down while we're at it, too. And call them the War Raiders again, right? What are they call now? The Viking Raiders or whatever? They're the War Raiders, whatever. Um, And now... I think if Gargano does go up, which it makes sense. I didn't put him on our list, but I think Gargano is the only one from this generation that gets in. The, the new class, if you say, right? Andrade was great. Alistair was great. Ember was great. You know what I'm saying? The War Raiders were great for the short time that they were there. <clears throat> but Gargano is just... Gargano is Mr. NXT. Johnny Takeover. No one's had more Takeover matches than him. No one's had, like... Matches that are still talked about to this day more than him, right? Finn had great matches, but not Johnny's had his feud with Ciampa, his feud with Adam Cole, his feud with Andrade, his feud with Velveteen Dream was cool. Like, come on, man. Like, his feud with Aleister Black was fun when he was like kind of a bad guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. It's awesome, right? And then that doesn't even count the fucking tag team feud him and Ciampa had against Revival. So good, man. Johnny... To me, he's the number one NXT talent ever, even more than Finn. I just think that he's just he's just gotten so much better, and it, it really shows. Like having the coaches that they have down there with Shawn Michaels and stuff like that, you can see that like Johnny really took that in and, and really became the best. Him and Ciampa really excelled with the new coaches that are in NXT now. Now, the one that I was on the fence with is Sami Zayn, because he was Johnny Gargano. And Finn Balor before Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. He was the popular guy, right? He won that belt. 
forgot what takeover was called. It was before it was just called takeover. It was when it was like takeover respect, takeover fucking whatever, fatal four way, takeover, takeover schmakeover, whatever, takeover makeover. That's gonna be Velveteen Dream's theme pay per view. Um, but yeah, Sami Zayn I would put in there. I'm thinking about putting in there because he had a huge impact. He's had unbelievable matches on takeover. You know what? I'm putting him in there. It's my show. I can do what I want. I'm putting him in there. Um, I, I definitely want to get your guys' opinion on that. Would Sammy be in that list? In this list? Uh, the way that I, I made the rules for it. Of course, there's no Charlotte. There's no Becky. There's no Paige. There's no Kevin Owens. There's no American Alpha. There's no AOP. No Kari Zane. You know, who else am I forgetting? There's no Ascension. No Bobby Roode. Oh, wait. Shit. I do have another name for this list. I'm going to add another name. Shinsuke Nakamura deserves to be on this list. I forgot. So let me let me add Nakamura to this list. Now, just everything Nakamura did, right? He he was the guy who held the torch when Balor left. And and he was this megastar going in and out of arenas, people chanting his name and stuff like that. Come on. Legendary epic. So my final list for who I think is the NXT Hall of Fame are Finn Balor, Bailey. Sasha Banks, Asuka, Shinsuke Nakamura, The Revival, and Sami Zayn. Hit me up on Twitter, at WhoGotNextPod. Tell me what you think of my Hall of Fame list, who you would put in your Hall of Fame list, given the rules, the parameters that I set. And what do you think about my list? Let me know. Would you add Sami Zayn? Would you not add Sami Zayn? Would you put Kevin Owens or Samoa Joe or McIntyre or Bobby Roode? I'm not the really biggest Bobby Roode fan, so whatever. That's why I didn't put him in it. Um, you know, if Tyler Breeze wins the belt in NXT now, does he get put in that Hall of Fame? Because Tyler Breeze is the NXT legend. We can't we can't deny that. But that's all for this week in this return show, this surprise show for who got next. My name is Phil Cataldo, but you can call me Philliam. Thank you for listening, and I will see you later. Alligators. Bye.